Hey guys, Jeff here. <laughs> you just did it. Hey guys, Jeff here. Hey guys, Jeff here. From the Bros, Bibles, and Beer team. Hey guys, Jeff here. Welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. Today, an amazing man, Jonathan Collins, athlete extraordinaire, a good-looking man, a fine man, a fine good-looking man, model, father. Not a model father. <laughs> He's actually a model and a father. Jeff, are you drinking Zinfandel? No, actually, it's a Justin... What you... you know, there's actually a, there's a wine bar strip club called Zinfandales. <laughs> this intro is deteriorating. <laughs> but we do have Jonathan Collins on today. He is amazing. Great story. Awesome start to life. Awesome middle life. And then, <laughs> then the wheels fell off. That's where stories get good and where God meets us. And that's where Jonathan Collins is. He has uh, several things going on. He's an entrepreneur. Find his stuff, shiftfit.com, facebook.com slash shiftfit.com. Netflix show, The Ultimate Beastmaster, will be coming up in December or January. That is Netflix. It's a Sly Stallone production. Also, unitedstrong.co, not com. Co. UnitedStrong.co. Guys, anything? Anything? That was great. You should do all of these. Yeah, Jeff. Switch to a more manlier drink, though. What? You don't like my wine? What are you drinking there? It's pink. Uh, I like to call it purple. I just started drinking heavily. Next Tuesday, they have uh, auditions for uh, Amateur Night at Zinfandel's. Oh, you can find us on rosebiblesbeer.com, facebook.com slash rosebiblesbeer, twitter.com slash rosebiblesbeer. And review us on iTunes. Because it just helps us spread the word. Yeah, one thing, uh, Jonathan does mention that he's on the, the front page of the Under Armour uh, website, but he is no longer on there. So let's, uh, let's get behind him so he can get back on that front page. All right, enjoy. Hey, what's going on with your boy Lochte? And he's like, dude, I didn't ask much because I don't want to know much. He he told me enough that I I can keep all my limbs real, won't come looking for me. But (laughs) but uh, yeah, something went down, and and hopefully he's in the clear. But um, so what ended up happening was he um, he was barely partially honest with. The most victimizing details, <laughs> almost would, barely legal. yeah, right, mm-hmm. and yeah, like he's saying things like, "Well, I embellished this piece." No, you you lied about it. that's called uh, a lie, you know. Yeah. So basically, they were they were all just like sloshed, went to the gas station, um, goofed around for a while. He ended up like getting aggressive. He kicked in a sign, like bashed up a, a poster frame. They saw it. I guess the gas attendant saw it, came out because I guess it was out behind the gas station or something. But um, I think he peed on stuff. I don't. I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, it's four a.m. You're you're in another country. You just finished your lifelong dream, and yeah. and you're like time totally to urinate on Brazil. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 
and super, yeah, just totally gone, wasted. And basically they came out and said, hey, you, you have to pay for that and you're not leaving until you do. And so then that, they responded with aggression. And so when he's like, you know, we were, we were pulled over, we were attacked, there was a gun pointed at us and held to my head, like, no, the security guards stopped you from destroying their property. Yeah. You fought back. They eventually had to pull out their gun and yes, you were, de- they demand, they pulled out a gun and demanded our money. They asked you to pay for what you destroyed. <laughs> like, so it was, <laughs> and he, wow. yeah, yeah. So he came clean and, and shared all that and, and apologized and like, I think he genuinely regrets it. And I think it was like, wow. even when he was giving his statement, he was still drunk. And so oh, it kind of makes sense that his story was so. Well, he's going to regret it probably a few hundred thousand dollars yeah. down the road. Here. Yeah, um, uh, for sure. All the sponsors pull out. Yeah. yeah. And he's not, surprisingly, he's, he sounds like he has no intentions of being done as an athlete. So that will really, like if you were retiring and walking away from the sport, that'd yeah. be one thing. But. Um, so he's waiting to hear what the IOC and the USA Swimming Committees, uh, there's oh, penalty outside of the law. And so he's like, please let me keep swimming, you know. So How old um, is he? I think he's early 30s. So, I mean, still going to go pretty, for it. pretty bold to yeah. keep going. But there are guys, I mean, yeah, we've got a 40-year-old on the team as a runner. So, and he's, he's still getting it done. So, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, it's no, it's no different than, well... It's, podcasting? It is You're going to say podcasting? No, right? then Phelps. And, <laughs> and after after he won all the golds, not this time, but um, I don't know if it was the last Olympics, or the one before that, and the marijuana, and it kind of got publicized a little bit, was it? And when he won a lot, and he's still doing just, just fine. So... There's yeah. always bumps yeah, bounced, that we yeah, bring in. So, kids, it all works out. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> you can smoke marijuana, just don't break any signs at the back of a gas station. That's I right. So. <laughs> so, I have a little story, you know, to start off here. It's about my son. So, we, we go to church um, pretty much every Sunday when we're alive and well, and... I I guess my I woke up late. We go to church, leave about eight forty five and it was probably eight thirty when I got up, took a shower, got ready, did the man thing, which takes about seven minutes to get ready for men. And so we're I'm not gonna ask you to define man thing. That could be different <laughs> depending on who's the man. And you're the man. Go uh, ahead. Okay, thanks. Uh, and I come out, get the keys, and I'm like, so are we going? And everybody's like, where's Christian? Christian's gone. And my 11-year-old boy's gone. Search the entire house. Search friends where he would have gone. It's it's Sunday morning. It's 8.30. We have no idea where he is. And or I'm like, Christian, if you're hiding, there will be consequences. No <laughs> And we get in the car, start up the engine, and start pulling away, kind of pause for a moment. I'm looking around, and we just drive off. And my wife is like, do you think he purposely is hiding? And I'm thinking, let's see, when I was 11 years old, yep, he's purposely hiding. (laughs) (laughs) He's got his buddies. They want to go play or whatever. And, And so I didn't know where he was, but he didn't come out. 
and uh, we went to church. We've been there about 10 minutes, and both my wife and I were struggling. And she's like, I, I, if I don't get a text from the neighbor I'm, that he hasn't showed up, I'm going to go. And I'm like, I'm leaving right now. And I go, and sure enough, there he is with his buddies in the driveway. And I'm like, hey, get in the car. That was uh, that was an interesting morning. I'm like, wow, my finally, my my boy. I've come into a new season, and uh, and that is my boy has reached junior high, and he is uh, trying to find his place and his independence. So that was an interesting, unique morning. Just the beginning. Oh, right. right. Chapter right. one in a new book. Imagine everything you, you did to your parents. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, there was that party once. That was bad. Anyway. Yeah, that one party. Yeah, once. that one party. My dad had a brand new white wall, white carpet house, and I threw a party as a sophomore in high school. I was new up in Boise, Idaho, and one of the seniors is like, I'm like, oh, my, my dad, he's not home. Him and his, you know, they are gone. And I, Really? Let's have a party. I'm like, oh, I'm new to the school, and I don't have any friends. Oh, yes, man. let's have a party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Instant goodness. Oh, right? goodness. At least temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. Destroyed paintings floor rug doctor rented out early morning trying to uh clean white brand new white floors nope everything was good things were stolen (laughs) it was bad uh it was really bad but yeah just some of the things you do to your parents (laughs) well some of us i went through a bad time so what was what did you say to your son Um, how did how did it work out how did he handle it I mean, did you go all fire and brimstone on his ass or what? No, I, I told him to get in the car. He got in the car. We started driving, and, I, and he's like, why do I? He's screaming, like, why do I have to go? I don't, I'm like, we're going to church, and, well, I don't learn anything there. So why do I have to go? And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's a good point. Maybe he isn't. Don't tell that to the uh, children's ministry coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is more rebellious boy, <laughs> so. For sure. Yeah, he, I I didn't say much except at one point, just a lot of silence. Um, I had a, you guys know me. Uh, I stretched probably a five second conversation into like a five minute conversation. <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, I said, well, you know, if you'd like to choose, uh, put yourself ahead of our family, that's totally up to you. You get to make that choice. And. I'm going to get out of the car and go into church, and you can choose to come in, and that's totally up to you. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you put yourself ahead of your family or or I do that or I put myself ahead of God, I'll tell you what, the consequences are horrible, and it won't be coming from me and your mom. It'll just, it won't be good. Um, and I got out of the car. 20 seconds later, I heard the door open, and he was following, and... And then he started pouting. He started screaming, I got to go into real church. I don't get to go. I'm like, come on. And I just opened up doors and didn't say one thing. And he followed eventually. And then he sat with us. And I don't think he'll be uh, hiding before church because he, he knows, still didn't learn anything. He knows the consequences. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I like how you left the consequences vague. They're not from me. Who knows where they're from? <laughs> Who knows what they'll be? But Wait, they're bad. what? What? <laughs> I like that philosophy, though. That's we're we're practicing that on our six-year-old. 
when he doesn't take care of his, I, I frame it in as like, if he's picking on his brother and sister, like if you're not taking care of your family, what if your family doesn't take care of you? Like who's, mm. who's cooking your dinner tonight? Who's got your back there? Right. Oh, mom. Well, you're not taking care of your family. Maybe I should tell the family not to take care of you. And that snaps them into line real quick. Yeah. And um, yeah, my wife has taken it a step further and said like, you tell me no, I'll tell you no. Next thing you want, next thing you ask for, the answer is no. If your answer is no, my answer is no. And it's like, whoa, okay. You know, they, they own it real quick. They understand like, oh, this is a a two way street here. I don't call the shots and get away with it. So, and our, nat- and our natural natural reaction is to have this like just re- almost not retaliate, but you know to be upset, to lose it a little bit, mm-hmm. and and then when we lose it, we've actually lost. Yeah, and yeah. So that's the that's the difficult part of uh, parenting, and I, I just I appreciate hearing people's stories of uh, you know when when they've lost it and then they realize. And then they go back and they apologize to the kids huh. that I've heard people tell that story. And I'm like, my goodness, the losing it is one thing. But going back and apologizing and saying, you know what, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm human, too. And I make yeah. mistakes is awesome. Yeah. And we've had those we've had a few of those moments in our family um, over the years and recently. And so it's good for I'm like, Wow. Our kids are growing up in a real, honest, genuine family that's just straight up. And uh, it came out on the last one we did. Oh, really? It, well, no. The, the concept of hopefully we're just we're leaving a, a few less wounds than we were given, you know, unintentionally for the most part from our parents. And you're Jeff doing the best you can, and um, I'm trying a lot harder than Jeff is. Everybody knows that, but. <laughs> But regardless, there's going to be some wounds, and it's just how when you know you've done something, that's that feeds Aubrey for sure. She just if she messed up and she's bummed, and I tell her a story about what time I messed up and mm-hmm. how I felt, it just speaks life into her, and it just flips the switch. And she's giving me dirty looks like this right <laughs> right now, but but it's a beautiful thing, Aubrey. <laughs> That Scott, is, you have anything, Scott? Yeah. You almost talked, and then we kept talking over you. I saw your mouth. I was, just, I was probably going to say something really stupid. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Self-deprecating humor or just something stupid? Jeff deprecating. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so we've got an amazing guest here today. Good man and uh, quite the athlete and quite good looking as well. Um <laughs> Don't don't video this. <laughs> but Jeff, I'm on the podcast all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've got Jonathan Collins with us. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. Thanks. John, Jonathan? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so so you had you met uh, Zach or Scott no, before? No, no. I, I don't know that I've ever even no. seen you around, but I've, I've seen you around. I, you're on stage a lot. And yeah. Run For, around. You playing know, in the, the band. Podcast? Both chasing kids. So. Yeah. And I've seen, I saw Jonathan uh, first. On, you start in that little video series. <laughs> right? That. Yeah. That was my... my uh, intro fame to being at your church was, that like, was a few <laughs> I ago. barely knew anyone and, and How got long on. Were you going to church before you did that? Um, maybe six months. So 
fairly new. Pretty fresh. So yeah. a lot of people were upset. Like, how come I, I have been passed over and he got to do it? And Well, you don't uh, look like Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been trying so hard. <laughs> I know. Bless your heart. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? No, they didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh we were talking about you. I thought you were being a random churchgoer. I was. Oh, okay, good. And what's funny is I, when we started going to church with you guys, we had come out of a season where we were overspent on serving and showing up early, leaving late, and helping. And so it was, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, for the first year, we're just going to like sit, hang out, get to know people, be with our kids. And uh, I can't remember who called me up. It might have been Ryan Kirkland and said, uh, or, or uh, maybe it was... I can't remember, but they said, hey, would you be willing to, to help? We're putting together a, a little video series, and I know you're familiar with film and video and commercials, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I can help out. I had no idea I was signing up to be the lead acting role in a developing, blooming relationship with <laughs> conflict involved, So, uh, but it was awesome. It was, it was really fun. Um, it was a, a good learning experience for me on the acting side. So It was fun to watch, and it was a good model of the message and the teaching that was going on that month. So you guys, you, Zach, Scott, you guys have anything? Cause I just say, right, we, I guess podcast is over. No, yeah, I, really, yeah. So there's that. You know? I, I, I'd <laughs> that like sums to, me up. I'd like to go. I'd like to just kind of go back to the beginning of just family foundations and, and just start there. Cause yeah, that's why we, he's here. Yeah. We love stories and, but uh, if you could go back your family, just describe, you know, what that life was like growing up, where it was. and Sure, yeah. So uh, born and raised, a uh, good old Midwest boy in Lee Summit, Missouri, um, youngest of three boys in our family, and uh, very much a, oh, we were a, well, I'm a, I'm a fourth generation Nazarene, church going, church leadership, my my grandparents were pioneering missionaries in in the uh, in different parts of South America. My aunts and uncles are professors and teachers in seminaries and and pastors. And so, um, growing up, like from a church perspective, it was just a no brainer. Like no questions asked. This is our path. This is who we are. Um, and then on my dad's side, um, a lot of farmers and, and uh, factory workers. And he was actually the first Collins in our lineage to get a college degree and then go on to get a like a uh, office profession and go on to be a, a structural engineer and, and energy engineer manager. And uh, so kind of had two different worlds coming together growing up. And uh, but it was good. It was it was a, a good healthy upbringing. Um, you know, we lived with a creek in the backyard and then woods as far as the eye could see. So we, you could we, adventure were, the, yeah, all you we were the three brothers with slingshots and BB guns and so many uh, books bikes. have started. So many books have started like that. Children's books. I remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's the stuff of, of, uh, childhood mystery in the books there that, yeah, to like That's just great. open up your backyard and like what are we going to do today? Let's go, let's go shoot snakes. Let's go, you know, let's go hunt nice. rabbits. Let's build bike tracks. So what is um, a Nazarene? What's a quick snippet of what they're about? Um, I'd say the most defining piece is their, uh, Wesleyan heritage and their doctrine of holiness. So, uh, very much, um, a focus on 
good behavior, <laughs> I guess, is a, is a quick synopsis there. Uh, I, that doesn't do the, the lineage justice, but uh, and, and a, a strong emphasis on social justice as well. Um, very mindful of the poor, the needy. That's um, an interesting mix. Minded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good. It's a good heritage. There, there are good roots there um, that I still carry to this day. So, yeah. Actually, a lot of you know, growing up every year, every summer, we would go on some type of mission trip and like get exposed to whether it was a different country or just in a different state oh, where wow. the needs are. But um, I think by the time I was in college, I had been to 13 countries and had visited dozens of orphanages and helped rebuild, um, you know. Uh, devastation from storms and help lead VBSs in in the streets of Guatemala and Dominican Republic and went down the river, the Amazon rivers of Peru and uh, kind of that whole like globally minded reaching out and helping those who are in need. So this stuff that gets you married like that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Leave single, come back with kids. It might be a, it might be a little too quick. (laughs) I got this guy when I was saving children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's quite an experience. Um, a rich experience. And that was as, was that as a kid, as a teenager? Yeah. All throughout. So I guess it started as a teenager and okay. then, um, on through there. So, yeah. So family, so family life was, I guess I've used the little house in the prairie, um, before. Is it more than that? Is it more than the picture perfect? Uh, you know, I mean, we, we had our, <laughs> we had our bumps along the way. My, my older brother, uh, so I was the youngest of three, our middle brother, he, he didn't take too much of a liking to the, to the, culture that we grew up in. And so he, mm. he was kind of the, um, black sheep, black sheep of the family for sure. And like approached life in a different way and it didn't fit the mold. And it was, it was just always difficult for him. Yeah. So, so that brought its many complications with, um, life in general for, for me as a little brother. Cause he was like, that dude was like, you looked up to jacked him. on steroids in junior high. Like he's just this big, yeah angry dude and I was his little punching bag so <laughs> I grew up just getting the snot kicked out of me all the time from him but he was also my greatest protector um, when anyone else would come around and want to pick on me and um, we, we had a unique brotherly bond uh, amidst the the conflict but um, but yeah so that brought a lot of challenges for our family in general that brought challenges for my parents who you know are church leaders and and uh, Sunday school teachers and and uh, okay, so, so I have a question related to that. You have so is there a is there a protect reputation? Looking back, is there like you know we don't really want anybody, or was it just known that your brother was like that? Like it was, yeah. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it was very well known. Um, okay, because the the church we grew up in, my parents were in the youth group of that church. So our roots as a family in that church, like they had been there for decades. So there was no like, oh, we are something that we're not showing. It was like, oh, Collins is going through a hard time and Brian's rough, you know. And and so it it was very much a church family environment, though, where it was supportive, like, you know, praying for them. And and we had some of the best um, uh, child pastors and youth pastors who loved him on his level regardless of his 
behavior and whether he wanted anything to do with us or not. But those are awesome um, people. Oh yeah. And they're still, they still are, you know, they're still dear to our hearts and, and close to our family and, and, uh, some of our closest family friends for the rest of life. So, uh, um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a, it was a powerful community, um, which maybe made things all the worse for Brian. <laughs> you know, he's like, just leave me alone. Like, <laughs> There's no way know, out. Yeah, literally, like, just stop loving me so much. You know, so <laughs> we had really good people in our life throughout that. So, yeah. So your roots are, you've got a strong family, and and so then moving forward from from there? Yeah, so um, I had, a, I kind of wore three dominant different hats growing up. Um, and on into college, I, I started mowing lawns in sixth grade and I would like, I just was wired to be an entrepreneur and I was always, I, I never was looking for a job. I was always looking for ways to create income or make money. And so I started pushing a, a lawnmower at sixth, uh, sixth grade and developed that into a lawn business and lawn and tree business through college. And, um, that was kind of always my career mind was like, what types of business can I create and what, what can I do on a brand side? But then on the family, missionary, ministry, heritage side, um, my heart was drawn in that direction at nine years old. And I, like at nine years old, I had made the decision, like, th- that's who I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm going to live my life as a missionary and um, build orphanages and help kids. And, and that was the um, just the path in my head. And so even after school and after high school, I went, and so I said, three main hats. There was kind of the entrepreneurial hat and then the ministry hat and then the athlete hat. And so, um, I was strong athlete in track and field and cross country. Uh, I grew up playing all, all the ball sports, um, until they all finally slowly narrowed down to just being primarily a track athlete. And, but yeah, so I went into college with a lawn business as a religion major and a three sport track, indoor track, outdoor track and cross country athlete. And, uh, then also became an RA in the dorms. And I think I eventually wore too many hats in, in college where I was, I was on academic scholarship and athletic scholarship and trying to run the dorms for the freshmen and trying to run my lawn business. And it got me out of college debt free, but along the way I had to really assess and, and decide what was most important, my business, my ministry, or my athletics. And halfway through college, I actually stepped away from athletics thinking like of all the things that I'm, that I want to develop, this has the least purpose in it. The, uh, the lawn business was making good money and paying for school. I was at a, a private university at, I think at the time it was over 20,000 it's closer to 30 now, but 20,000 a year. And like, I really wanted to graduate debt free wow. and, um, you know, academics, you've got to, do your homework and, you know, you got to, you got to graduate. So that remained a priority. And then the impact I was having as an RA and as, um, an assistant chaplain, I couldn't step away from that. Like it was like, that was where my heart was, was helping people. Um, so I ended up stepping away from athletics and continued with the business and continued with, um, help, you know, just helping on campus and then graduated kind of had a, that life assessing moment of, well, what now? And um, I'd picked up cycling for fun in my final two years of college. 
And as a senior, I got competitive with that and ended up getting into triathlon and signed up for a half Ironman triathlon the summer of graduation and um, did that triathlon and ended up qualifying for nationals for the USA competition. So what's the half? Uh, it is a, it's been a while, um, 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike and a 13.1 mile run. I wanted to break five hours. I got 5.02. But it was called the Hotter Than Hell Half Ironman. Yeah. It was in the middle of Kansas in the middle of summer. And uh, I, I nearly collapsed out there. My, my water bottle cage broke, and I got dehydrated, and uh, a lot went wrong, but I got through. But I, know, I can um, read Jeff's mind right now. He's just thinking, all his excuses. This right? Like, this guy will not. Sorry. Actually, yeah. actually I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, are you the type that just picks up a ping pong paddle and goes and takes on the Chinese? <laughs> no, oh, look, no. There's, there's so, a bike. Yeah. I'm going to go do a triathlon. But Jeff, Jeff's motto is, if you're not peeing black, you're not trying. Hard. Right? I like it. Oh. story behind that one. Yeah. But can we put a pin in that real quick? Because a few minutes ago you said that from an early age you you had an entrepreneurial streak to you. Were you aware of that at the time? And then you mentioned wearing multiple hats, too many hats, at a young age. Is that something looking back you're aware of? Or were you seven or nine and you're like, man, I just really can't keep all this all these different things I'm juggling. <laughs> what seven-year-old or nine-year-old is like that? No, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't... I wasn't aware at the time, and we'll, we'll, as life progresses, we'll see that I've revisited, history repeats itself, yeah, yeah. because I have another wearing too many hats story that collapsed my life okay. as of recent, or a few years ago. But no, it was just like how I was wired, and it's funny because my, my six-year-old is now repeating that behavior, and he, he is constantly asking, because he finds that he, he asks, he says he wants this toy, and I say, okay, you got to earn money to get it, and he says, well, how much money do I need to earn? And I tell him, and he's like, then what, what type of jobs can I do that will earn me the money? And like he starts breaking it down to every, That's like, amazing. and then he won't leave me alone about it. And literally tonight at dinner, my wife and I were laughing, like, this was me at six years yeah. old, like figuring out, like, <laughs> here's what I want to make, I got to figure out how to make it, and then I'm not going to stop until I do. And yeah, like yeah. this kid's not going to you relent can't break him until that. yeah. Like and so like now seeing that that's it's a beautiful thing to see it unfold and be able to relate and foster that and like channel it and help him grow that um, because it's the entrepreneur route is not very common. It's not it's not very definitive. Like it's a hard route to figure out because there's so right. many moving pieces that are never the same for anyone. So. Yeah. Yeah, so so I didn't recognize it at the time. No, no, I was just living life, loving it, uh, going full speed with everything. Um, yeah, on through college. So yeah. Okay, so we were at college. <clears throat> yeah, in so athletics. You did the triathlon. So if I sprint through a lot of details, you found out you were a super athlete. Well, I I realized <laughs> that my heart was still in it, my body was still in it, and it was like it was my passion. Um, where ministry and and you know going overseas and helping kids like that was my purpose I, I hindsight that's kind of how I frame it in now it's like I, I consider passion how you love living and then purpose is how you live loving and sometimes those are separate things like what you love to do for you is different than what you how you want how you most desire to love others and a lot of people never get to that purpose they mm-hmm. just want to figure out how they can love life and leave it at that but 
but yeah, I recognize like, nah, this fire is still well lit in me as an athlete. And so I had to assess like, what do I want to do here? What path do I want to pursue? And I looked back on all of my athletics, looked at my, my body type, my, my talents, my, you know, where was I best suited? And I had always been a distance runner, but only because my older brother was a distance runner. And I picked, you know, I ran my first 5K in third grade and never stopped running. Like I, I would run every day after school and I started lifting weights on my own in junior high and like loved the training aspect, but probably was never meant to be a long distance runner. I always had to fight the body type of someone a little heavier, a little bigger. And in high school, I, like my goal was to be an all-state cross-country runner and make the 800-pound club with the football guys with like bench press, squat, and incline. Uh, I missed it by 30, 30 pounds, but uh, <laughs> still hurts. Don't bring it up. Those are two very different ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, and so exactly. And so that's what I realized. Like, you know, um, all, all along, I've probably been best suited for decathlon in track and field. It's running, jumping, throwing the full spectrum of endurance, strength, power, and speed, you know, blended together, not invincible in any one thing, but the balance of all those things. And so I picked up decathlon at 23 years old, having never done eight of the 10 events <laughs> and, and just chose like, okay, um, the, the sale of my lawn business will cancel out my school debt. I can go debt-free with money in the bank um, doors open where I, I was given a, a place to train and a place to live in Oregon. I was born and raised in the Midwest, went to school in the Midwest. It was a chance to like venture out and go for a dream. And, uh, and so I did. And that started a journey that, uh, literally has brought me here. You know, that, wow. that was the start of that journey. And so I was there for a year, uh, trained and competed out in Oregon, um, not knowing, what I was doing at all, like learning pole, self-teaching pole vault, <laughs> self-teaching javelin, <laughs> discus. I mean, those early days were ridiculous, but it was again, kind of that entrepreneurial piece, like, yeah. oh, you'll figure it out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You'll create something, you have an idea and you create it and turn it into something. And so throw in the mix, my junior high sweetheart who became my high school sweetheart, who became my college sweetheart, who... I left when I moved west, and uh, we we just took that time when I moved to Oregon to, to assess, like, okay, we've only known each other since junior high, and all of our close friends are close friends with each other, and every time we tried to take a break, it was impossible. Right. We go to the same small college. We go to the same church. I mean, there was no getting away from each other, and so after, what was it, you know, 10 years of being together socially and relationally, um, it was our chance to see like, is this the thing that should work for the long term? And here's a chance for us to try life without each other. And uh, I think it was like six or nine months into that, and we gave ourselves like some legit space um, where we didn't talk at all, didn't communicate, didn't. There was no Facebook. There was no accidentally seeing posts or pictures. Like, right. but uh, both of us came back to the same conclusion. Like. Yeah, that this is a good thing, and and we need to move forward together. So, oh, um, nice. drove home, and uh, proposed, got engaged, got married three months later. I'm gonna put in some sweeping music right there. Right, <laughs> that. that's awesome. And uh, moved west together, and uh, we were in Oregon for a year together. My athletics had developed more, and I realized, like, uh, as I was getting better, I was recognizing the need for 
better coaching, better weather, um, more year-round uh, training facilities, and I needed I needed help. I needed a team. I needed better competition because I'm in central uh, Central Oregon at the time, Bend, Oregon. Loved it, beautiful, um, but it just wasn't conducive to the ultimate goal. So, mm. moved to San Diego and um, joined an Olympic development team down there and. Uh, in the process of training with that team, which was great, like just really cool people from all around the world and all pursuing similar goals. And, um, we trained at San Diego state and I'd, I'd help assist coach, uh, the girls team there. It was just a really rich time, rich season of life, uh, with really good people. And, uh, in, I think I did 63 track meets and I had lifetime bests and at least by an inch or by a centimeter or whatever the event was in, in 63 meets, I had lifetime bests in 59 of the 63 meets. So it was, it was a continually progressing thing. And I, I kind of feel like I was, uh, catching up with the missed time because you shouldn't start decathlon at 23 years old. It takes right. 10 years to develop typically for a, for a decathlete to come into his prime. That's what I've been telling Scott for years. Yeah. They have, uh, over 40 Olympics, right? <laughs> they do have masters. Um, you can, you can go give your best there. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. I started cycling at 35 and I want to do a master's race, uh, bless next year. Bless sometime. your heart. Bless your heart, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Cat five. Yeah. 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 All right. Do it. it. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, uh, so somewhere in all of that, uh, so yeah, progressed and developed, got continually progressed, got my marks individually of the 10 events, got my individual PRs up to the Olympic standard, but had yet to put it all together in one meet, um, which is pretty rare for a decathlete to do his best in all 10 at one meet. Uh, it has happened, and but usually you're like two to four hundred points below your PRs, and at the time my best was seven hundred points below my PR. So I knew like I just have to stick a decent meet, but it was I knew that like I was so young in so many events, even though I wasn't young in years, I was new to so many events that mm-hmm. a lot of the consistency comes with years, you know. So you only get three throws in discus. Maybe I'll have an awesome throw. Maybe I'll shank it. Well, with maturity, you you become more consistent with things like that. And so, um, but that was so so leading up to kind of blend into the rest of life here, um, developing as an athlete, um, but also getting older in years and life progressing, and my wife starting to want kids and um, the need to provide. You know, how old were you when you got married? 23 okay i think yeah <laughs> yeah 23 years old did you just um, look at the year no no, no. <laughs> he got his phone just for the audience there i got i've got it's all like my notes year. all my self notes on there yeah. my, my birthday and anniversary uh no so yeah married at 23 and at 20 was it 27 or 28 my wife who's totally supportive like Worked full time while I trained, like all it was all for me. Coming home, totally exhausted, training six hours a day, then coming home for recovery from that. Um, just had a heart to heart moment where she said, "You know, all I've ever wanted to be is a mom. Like that's been her heart since, literally since junior high. She's that mm-hmm. little junior high girl squeezing cheeks on babies and can't wait to be a mom." And uh, she said, "And I kind of wanted 
at least two before 30. And here we are, 27. And I realized in that moment, like, okay, here's the woman who has supported your dream for all these years. You you better say yes. Like you better you better return the favor here. So so we started trying for kids and um first one came right away, you know, nine months later we had our first kid and um so she was going to stay home from work and I'm out at the track all day, so something had to change there. And so I picked up a job while she was um when she got pregnant, I picked up a job with it was with a tech startup. Um, it was actually like a, a, it was when MySpace was declining and Facebook was just starting to go on the rise. And, uh, it was a, a social media network or a social network for kids that combined the social platform plus media plus, um, social causes to try and get them purpose minded. And so, uh, came on with that startup as the, um, senior editor and content generator and overseer. It was like a really good effort, like trying to create a safe place online for kids where they could have social interaction without the mess that um, MySpace had become. Right. And uh, But it was kind of a collision of the economy was tanking, Facebook was on the rise, and we were too late to, to enter and, and make enough noise with MySpace crashing and Facebook rising. Mm. And uh, so it was a, it was a a really great effort with a great team, and um, we closed our doors the week my first son was born. <laughs> so here we are. It's October 2009. Now, were you part um, of starting that? Yeah, yeah. So, so you had how you had a, a decent portion you'd invest in that. Um, it was a big a big hit. It was yeah yeah it was a big hit. Yeah. Um, it it was. Yeah, it was it was rough. <laughs> so so it's 2009. It's the fall. I'm just starting a new cycle of a four year training cycle for the Olympics, um, and um, it's preseason, just getting started. My wife just quit her job. I just lost my job. We just had our first kid. Here comes the storm, but I didn't see it coming. Like this this is like hindsight. Like here's where the trouble started, and. Because also at that time, so I'd been in that startup for over a year, maybe a year and a half. I can't remember the timeline on that. But we had just committed to helping start a new church. Um, a, 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 friend, a friend of a friend was coming to San Diego to start a church, and, and we uh, connected really well with them. We, we jived with their culture. They were um, really like community-minded and compassion-driven people. And we could just see that. And we, we connected really well with the founding pastors. I, we quickly became closest to friends in, in the area. And so so that's another, like, add one more storm cloud on the horizon, <laughs> storm on its way, too many, wearing too many hats, and it's going to hit. Um, life can't sustain that when your wife isn't working, you're having your first kid, you just lost your job, you're still training for the Olympics, and you're helping start a church. And how was um, your faith uh, through... Fantastic. Through of, <laughs> I mean, you had two different storybooks that were written about you. First the Hardy Brothers, and then your wife. You taking the break, and then sweeping music, and you decide you're right for each other, and yeah, you go west yeah. together. And through all that, and then heading into this so, section, your faith was pretty rock solid. The whole time faith was rock solid, but um, and I said that quickly because um, we've looked back on that, and we thought like all was well. We were loving God. We thought we were on God's path for our life. 
He had confirmed it so many times along the way. He had provided. He had, you know, helped us through. We, we had opened doors, amazing things in our life. Um, but somewhere in that, I unplugged from the source of seeking God and continuing to hear from God. And so it was almost the setup for collapse because I was on a path that was bigger than me and required God's help. And if you're going to get God's help, you got to have God's presence in your life. Like you got to seek him and be fueled by his presence. And I unplugged and I didn't unplug my heart. I didn't unplug my faith. Um, in my head, I was like, oh man, like got to go help the church. God come with me. Like God bless this. God do, you know, what it became like, not me going to God, but asking God to go with me. Yeah. Um, and so that, that literally began, uh, what, what we didn't see for, for four more, three or four more years that began, um, wearing too many hats and flying without fuel, spirit, flying spiritually with no f- spiritual fuel. Um, you know, helping build the children's ministry in the church and helping develop the small groups and helping lead on Sunday mornings. And, um, you know, being, being the pastor's right-hand man. So I was at meetings most nights, um, and, and also having to figure out the finances. So I got involved in another startup of one of my own. It was an idea we had. You just um, can't help yourself. I know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, hindsight, right? It's li- literally the, you're talking to a a changed man, and uh, yeah, okay. Wis- wisdom comes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we, so I had an idea for a new startup. Well, so we took a trip to Iceland to go to a friend's wedding. Um, I'll just plug this quick. So we had fifteen thousand dollars of free world travel funds from my brother signing me up for. Um, it was a uh, promo through Zest Soap, and it was looking for Zest's most adventurous man of the wor- in the in the country award. And my brother wrote up this dialogue on me, and and sent it in, and applied, and I ended up winning. So I'm Zest's most man. adventurous man of the year award, and and so he he like he didn't even ask me about it. He just said like I, he he messaged me and said, Hey, bro. Uh, I signed you up for a, a Zest Soap promo giveaway, and I'm pretty sure you're going to win with how I framed you in. Uh, you're splitting the, the award with me. And it just framed it in as like a trip for four, an adventure for four anywhere around the world. That's what we thought we were winning. Well, what, what it panned out to be was literally a $15,000 check to a travel agency. Wow. And brothers can stretch that way farther than just yeah. one trip for four. So yeah. we, we, went, I, we went to the uh, Lofoten Islands in northern Norway in the Arctic Sea. We went to the southern tip of South America in Patagonia. I took Sandy to, to my wife to uh, Iceland. He took his wife to uh, the Virgin Islands. Like we just, we lived wow, it up. Wow. So, but it was while I was on that trip that I uh, came up with an, a business idea of turning your Facebook social interactions and posts into a printed yearbook where you could look back on your memories. Cause we were out in the middle of nowhere and a thought occurred to me like, wow, so disconnected. I can't even connect to the internet or Facebook right now. Like, Oh wow. What would happen if you became disconnected? Your whole life is online. And so thought process developed into, Hey, this is like a legit idea. This was before timeline was invented. So there was no way to look back on your history socially and, and right. see those memories. So, uh, 
developed a business plan on the flight home, hit the ground running, hired a development company, um, got investors, got it going. Like it took it took traction really quickly. Um, developed well, launched it, got attention from uh, HP and their all of their print kiosks with Walmart. Got attention from Kodak. Uh, Europe and w- was in negotiations with both of those parties to maybe be HP's social media print solution in all of the 4,000 Walmarts across the country wow. working on a similar deal and with Kodak in Europe. Um, and this is all while the church is growing and I'm training and business is developing and this is all really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um in the spring of 2000, uh, what was it, 12. So this, so that started this, and uh, I'm losing some dates. Started the company in 2011. Spring of 2012. I'm training. It's going well. It's an Olympic year. Uh, I get an early season injury, but it, I think I'm gonna work through it. Uh, I booked like three commercials, three Olympic commercials in one month. Everything like feels like okay, this is it. I, I've got my company. We've got these big deals. The valuations in the millions right now. Um, got these commercials. They're going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Church is going well. Here come the Olympics. I'm going to make it. And I'm Jesus. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And little did I know (laughs) that uh, within a three month span, my entire world would fall apart. And um, my, I think it might've started with my, um, my lead developer that coded all of the back end for a very complex, difficult app, um, died from a virus, a random virus in Pakistan. Uh, one of my partners went bankrupt. Uh, our lead investor who we were really needing at the time with all that loss pulled $50,000 overnight, which then pulled a matching investor, like literally overnight, like the, the morning it was due after three months of, of negotiations and signings, like spooked. Just, yeah, and, and literally, like, I was left with the weight of the company on my shoulders, and then I didn't make the Olympic team. Like, and I got lost in the shuffle of business and the commercials and the injury that I didn't take care of well enough, and I lost my business, I lost my uh, childhood dream, and was recovering from that okay because I had my church community and my right-hand man, the pastor, like, we were, like, best buds. Yeah. Um, and then that summer, my pastor came forward and said that he has been uh, in, in promiscuous relationships for the last three to four years quietly. Relationships. Um, uh, wow. m- multiple prostitute scenarios. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and this is all in a span of... This is all in a span of maybe three to four months where... When, um, when everything is lining up... Everything, everything, everything is awesome. <laughs> Cue the music. All lining up, millions. Okay, yeah. This, on the last podcast, Jonathan, I, I described my marriage in a point the when it was just... exact opposite way. This is, no, no, no. This is exactly what... This is exactly what a train wreck falling from the Empire State Building looks like. Yes. Right? And on everything. But he managed to actually get the train on top of the so, Empire State Building. So I, had, I had, had one last sign of hope, at least... Financially, because I lost my business, I didn't make the Olympic team. My my closest friend and and the ministry we had built is gone. I mean, we we long it was a long, dramatic, sorrowful 
thing. We merged with another church, and now they're thriving and doing great. It's, it's, there's a great story of redemption in there, even for him and his marriage, and, um, and it's awesome. Wow. You know, for all he did wrong, he has fully committed himself to righting that wrong at, at whatever Interesting. level was, he was can. He, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but was he... Did he just come forward, or was he exposed and then he fessed up? He he came forward to the elders of our church. Um, the church was so young that our elder he was a we were he he was sent from a church of seven thousand people in Portland, and he was the lead worship pastor there. And so our our uh, eldership and our you know head leaders over him were all in Portland. So he flew to Port- Portland and put it on the table like he couldn't carry it any longer so um that's kind of refreshing usually it's a a situation where somebody gets exposed or they're caught and then then they have to go into you know protection mode right they come clean but they really didn't come clean yeah you know he he's the scenario of a genuinely good person that swept something under the rug something small once and then that got bigger and got darker mm-hmm. and bigger and darker and bigger and darker. I have that and in me for sure. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think uh, it's the, it's the human condition. Yeah, it, like yeah. is it, it, like uh, such a valuable lesson learned on the front lines there to see like, it's so important to not let thoughts become small actions, become big, quiet, sneaky actions. Like little, little, cover little, ups become yeah. Bigger cover ups. Totally. And, and then it totally hijacked his destiny, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but he's, there's a redemption story in him that, um, he's believing for and I'm believing for, and his, his wife has come alongside and, um, it's going to be a beautiful thing. He's, he's going to take back what was lost. So, um, but yeah, so my last hope was that one of the commercials that I had filmed, um, was, like, a series prime global Coca-Cola commercial with the national record holder in the hurdles. And I'm dipping at the finish line with him. And it was like, <laughs> this is going to be, you know, it was going to be a big one. It was going to be a six digit payout with residuals. And, um, he didn't make the team. Oh, <laughs> no. So yeah, it, it, you know, I made okay money off of it still cause they aired it quite a bit, but and then they sent it to theaters and it was in AMC theaters before every movie all summer. And then, so it was like, Oh, Oh, we're still going to make a big payout here. And, uh, uh, theatrical residuals take four months to pay out. All the, all the stuff is really delayed. But um, so, you know, into four months, I'm calling up SAG and saying like, hey, where's the check? And they said, no, you got your check. And I said, no, you gave me like 800 bucks for theatrical usage. And they're like, yeah, that's your check. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I was, yeah. So, so literally as my life had been falling apart and like, don't know how we're going to make ends meet. All my money is in that business I ju- that just collapsed. Um, well, maybe there's hope. Maybe, yeah, you know, there's this redemption. Yeah, and no, no, it didn't come. <laughs> and so here I am. Um, what was that, 2012? So 30 years old. Um, I watched my dream collapse. I watched the ministry I had helped build collapse. I watched my business collapse. Um, I watched my finances collapse and all within one short season of life. And now I'm looking at losing my home and having to sell my car to just buy groceries. 
And, um, oh, side note, my wife is eight months, eight months pregnant at the time <laughs> with our third. So, so I can, heavy. I can laugh now, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I had had 30 years of a great life. Like no, I mean, you know, challenges along the way. Um, my joy had never been taken from me. My faith had never been shaken or questioned. You know, you always, you go through questionable times with God, but never like to the core of who I was, Mm -hmm. I had to come face to face with for the first time in 30 years, does God even exist? And if he does, why doesn't he like me? (laughs) You know, like where did he go? And so, um, we ended up having to move in with my parents as a 30 year old man with a pregnant wife and two kids all I had left was my family, um, which was great. Like, what if we didn't have that? I don't know. You exactly, know, we would have yeah. couch surfed with kids, man. Uh, yeah. So uh, fortunately, they, they had um, you know, a nice retirement house on the hill with rooms to spare and uh, graciously took us in. And that was literally our, our medic tent. And we called it our med. We lived with them for a year. Um, and it, it felt... At the spirit level and at the um, like the emotional level, when you, when you see a movie and the, a bomb goes off and there's like ringing in the ear, like everything goes like either really bright or really dark. Like it literally for an entire year, all I could hear was the ringing of that bomb that went off in my life. And fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it was wow. it was something. <laughs> so so we had to rebuild, you know, and um, on all fronts we had to rebuild um, our community. Gone. You know, we had to rebuild um, our finances. They're gone. We had to rebuild career. My my job gone. Uh, had to rebuild vision for the future. My dream gone. Like everything except my marriage. You know, and my and my family. Um, we actually grew closer. My my wife and I grew closer because um, I think we felt sorry for each other. Like, mm. ha. <laughs> it hits me. Yeah. I felt sorry for her. I saw her 20-year journey or 15-year journey, and it hit her just as hard as it hit me. And she deserved better. She didn't deserve all that loss. And so I think she saw that in me as well. I'll get out of this emotional, sorry. (laughs) It's bros and beers. (laughs) It's not uh, not dude bro. It's it's brotherhood. Yeah. yeah, it, we hurt for each other. And so we grew closer. And my parents, who had always believed in me, and I've said it, I don't know if I've ever said it to him, but my dad almost believed in, in me to a fault, <laughs> you know, yeah. growing up. Like, anything you believe, like, anything you yeah. want to do, you can do. And he was empowering me the whole way through and, like, like making it happen. Like, only the best for the best. We go shopping for bats for baseball or what you know, whatever it would be. Like only the best for the best. He's like a bumper sticker writer, isn't he? He's just got all those little Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Like all all the yeah, all the lines and all the belief and like was there every step of the way. So when everything collapsed, they knew the journey. They knew that it was gonna hurt and it was gonna take a long time to recover from because they saw the investment in that journey for so many years at every level. They were excited with us for the business. They were excited with us for the church. They were excited for the, for the athletic dream, um, the, the community we were building, you know? And so, yeah. So, um, something you put on yourself, you'd said your wife and you both kind of felt sorry for yourself. Did you, 
you putting that on her or saying, feeling sorry for her almost in a way it sounded like she deserves better. I could have done better. Like, was there something um, attacking that aspect of you where you, you weren't good enough? No. <laughs> um, I did you feel like, did I, you feel like you had fallen short of maybe what she, the expectations that you all had in life? I, I think I mostly felt, maybe I felt the victim from God. That's where I, where I was really hurting was I really believed God was going to come through on all of those things. And in hindsight, I've gained wisdom on that was not fair because God did not speak all of those things into my life. Those, all of those things were not my path. The, the clear path that I believed I was to be on was the athletic path. And he had opened doors along the way. He, he made himself known. Like I, like I felt God in that for years. Mm-hmm. The ministry, the helping the church start, was self-assigned. It was like we were looking to make a bigger impact. We were looking to help in, the, in a church, and we crossed paths with great people at just the right time while we were looking. And the entrepreneurial part is like, oh, yeah, something new. We can, you know, let's create that. And, you know, it's exciting. Um, and then I was all in, and I was too far in. I was giving way too much time um, to a good thing, but not the realm that I was called to, not the area of life that I knew was my path. And same with business. It was like, okay, I had a great idea. Okay, I built something that almost took off. Um, had some great chances along the way, got picked up by international media, got on national television with news stations. Like it was big in its moment, but that doesn't mean it was God's doing. That was just good business for a bit of, of time there. Right. And, and all the while, all the while, like I said, the plane was out of fuel. Like I was not pressing into what I had set myself up for, which was a path where I needed God's help because I was doing something that I couldn't accomplish on my own. And so, yeah, the, the dream failed because I got sidetracked with things that I wasn't supposed to be involved with necessarily. And looking back, like the best impact I had still was with the kids on the track, the, the college athletes and the kids that I coached and the athletes that I trained with. Like those, that's where God's grace was on my life. Um, and like even the business, like I should not have been trying to fabricate my own income when God was clearly opening doors in Hollywood. I mean... You know, commercials can be a $60,000 day, and I've had a, a handful of those, and he could have provided those, and I didn't need to go staying up till 3 a.m. talking, chatting with Pakistan developers, and, like, it was, you know, built some really great relationships there, too, like friends in Pakistan now, just through through the grind. But, um, yeah, so hindsight is, like, I, when you, you ask, did I feel like I didn't measure up? No, I don't think so. I think I felt the victim card of God... Why didn't you show up? I showed up. I gave absolutely everything I had I to give. Like, yeah, I literally, and that was the line in my head was, uh, I was looking at everything I did right and everything that went wrong. And after about a, a year, year and a half of that, I came to terms with, oh, how about we flip that? Look at everything you did wrong and everything that's still right in your life. And that was like a turning moment for me um, of oh, yeah, you need to acknowledge that there's still goodness in your life and your wife stayed with you and your kids are healthy and yeah. you're still healthy and you're still alive. And, like, 
get off your butt. <laughs> it's yeah. time. It's time to figure out life again. It could have been and, really easy for your wife to maybe think like, "Yeah, so happy you can't do it." Or, <laughs> and that's the number one cause of divorce right. or something is right. money. Totally. All that stuff. But yeah, the, to to not only stay together but to grow stronger through it, like to be kind of being pulled towards each other yeah. through it. I yep. mean, I'm, yeah, that's probably the greatest blessing out of all of that. Yeah, it really is. Um, to have weathered such a significant storm and come out together yeah. um, and know like now our our relationship and our depth is so much richer and stronger and it's going to help moving forward with new purpose yeah. and and the wisdom like that so i was saying earlier that the the uh there's a oh, i'm drawing a blank on it's a show on netflix it's a four-part series uh with a guy who he talks about when you weather a life storm and and uh how you respond to that and how that changes your future and he talks about how experience does not create wisdom it's experience plus reflection that creates wisdom and so for for that you know i'd say i had legit depression for one to two years which i would never have imagined ever having in my life but i lost sight of god in my life i didn't know where he went and i lost sight of purpose i I, everything i like i didn't know how to try different you know sometimes it's like oh you have this big life moment like i hate this career and i'm gonna change but like I was doing everything I wanted to do. Like, where do I go from here? And so reflecting and realizing, like, if you want to do significant things in life that you want God involved with, you can't, like, two-time them. <laughs> you can't do his path and your path simultaneously and get away with it. And uh, so, that, like, the reflection on, okay, look at everything that is still right in your life yeah. and go from there. And so... For, for it took two or three years for me to have a, a hint of gratitude for life after that storm hit. So before you go there, what is one what does one to two years of depression look like? Oh man, for um, you and your and your marriage and family and yeah, um, those around you. Do they do they see it? Do they know? Oh it? yeah, my mom for sure because we were living with them and she's she's a very motherly loving woman, very discerning. Um, she saw it early. She, yeah, right. <laughs> so she saw it early. She called it out. She said, "You're you're depressed, or you know, honey, when you're depressed." And, and I'm like, well, "I'm not depressed. Like, come on. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, you know I'm just going down. through. I'm going through a slump. Like, I'll go was, mow was, a thousand lawns right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and I laugh. I literally laughed it off. I think I even messaged my brother, like, "Dude, mom just said I'm depressed. You know, and like we laughed it off and like." A few months later, I'm like, I think I'm depressed. <laughs> like, I think she's right. I think it started out as devastation and then led into depression. And what that looked like for me, um, I used to wake up for over a decade. I woke up ready to tackle the agenda for the day for the uh, for the goals I was pursuing. And from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep. I was all in with everything I did, and I loved it. Um, depression was waking up and not wanting to wake up because I didn't want to have to face the fact that I did not want to do anything. Like I, There was nothing in life that I wanted to go 
put my hand to, like to, to accomplish for the day. And I knew that I needed to be a good husband and I knew that I needed to be a good father. Um, and being in, in that season, being a good husband just meant a lot of communication and honesty with my wife. So that meant a lot of walks that meant a lot of sitting and talking, uh, a lot of crying, you know, like, just like, what do we do now? Um, and then for my kids, they were so young, it was easy because I'm playful and young right. dad, they're young and we could, we could just go work it out in the park, you know, and like, they don't know that I'm, that my, my world is dark and my heart is collapsed and I have no idea what I'm doing in life and everything I thought to be true, I'm now questioning. And, um, so, so the most significant thing I remember about what does depression look like is waking up and not wanting to wake up because you don't want to face life the way it is. Um, and that was... So you're really hopeless. Yeah, exactly. The word hope is the... I lost faith completely. And this is significant, these words now to me, because um, I had always had high faith. Like, I was the guy, like, if you brought an idea, I'd be like, oh, awesome. Go for it. I'm believing for that. Like, yeah, you know, or, or whatever I was doing. Like... Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take over the world. We're gonna you know we're gonna make millions of dollars. We're gonna we're gonna be on national TV. You know whatever it would be like. We're gonna win the Olympics. Like you know like throw this, a javelin over the freaking yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's actually a visualization I used in in Oregon because it was a mountain awesome. like. But uh, but that was me like yeah. See, I can feel it. Life you know and so it's prophetic um, <laughs> to to have that fire totally totally snuffed out. And to say it's not even like faith, how I understand it now, faith is believing for the things that God has in store for your life, or that he's spoken into your life or that he has over your life. Like that is faith. Hope are, are the things of God that you, uh, the principles of God that may not be for this season of life or for your scenario in life right now but our godly principles that you see throughout scripture. And I was putting faith in things of hope. So is God for you succeeding in business? Well, he's for prospering his children and us living a life of, you know, a health, you know, and when we talk about our church really has a great emphasis on the restoration of all things, like the kingdom of God, you know, Jesus' first prayer is that your kingdom would come to earth. Like that you look at the kingdom of God and it's, streets of gold and palaces and no, no more sorrow, no, no sickness. And so that's the best things of God that we can hope for. But we have measures of faith, certain pieces of that. Different people, have, like we're blessed. Like I, I see blessing as um, your pieces of heaven on earth. So when someone says, oh, you're so blessed, you, you know, you have a healthy kids and a beautiful wife, like that's a little piece of heaven in my life. Whereas someone else is like, yeah, we're really blessed. You know, they have yachts and mansions or whatever. And then someone else is just like happy all the time. They say, well, I'm so blessed. It's just easy for like, that's a piece of heaven. That's no more sor- sorrow. That's joy in their life. Yeah. So um, I was putting faith on everything. Like assuming that if I could conceive it, it was, it was mine to believe for. And that's not necessarily the case, at least not at all, not all at once as soon as you decide you want it. <laughs> and so, so now I look at things as wishes, hopes, and, and beliefs or faith. And like, 
Those are three very different things. Wishes, sure, go ahead, pray for that motorcycle. It's not really in alignment with the kingdom of God. It's not against it. Like, it's a wishful prayer. Thing. Yeah, yeah, like hopeful prayer. I, I hope to own some acres in the mountains with a cabin someday. I don't know that God has spoken that in my life, so I can't like have faith on it. But I do know that when he speaks, faith comes by hearing. So if I hear from God, then I can have faith. And faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So it's, it's something, it's, it's a tangible piece of the thing of God. So does that make sense? Like mm, yes. hope is the generality of the good things of God. We can hope for those things in our life and for a future. And so that was like, I had lost all faith. I wasn't believing anything personally for me. I was hanging on to hope by a thread that God actually existed, that he's actually good, and I actually might encounter life with him again someday. And I was hanging on to hope by a thread, literally. Like, I was so close to not believing he existed because if he did, how the heck do you get him in your life if everything I just did didn't, like, like fell apart and, and he was nowhere to be found? And for yeah. you... Had that sliver of hope been obliterated in your mind, would that were you in a spot that where that would be just devastating, or would it be a regroup? Okay, this is not true anymore, uh, at least functionally for you, and regroup and rebuild from there. Or, or would that have just been it? That would have been probably been it. Um, I don't know what it means. I don't think I ever got remotely close to suicidal, but everything in my life from the earliest days I can remember was, has been geared around how to live a life with and for God and in his goodness and for his purpose. And so, um, like my entire motivation as an athlete was for impact, like to use a platform for, for an impact for good. My college degree was for purposes bigger than myself to like help other people for, for God's glory. Like, um, so everything was, you know, my, the, the ministry, the, the community, it was all geared towards living in the goodness of God and sharing that with other people. And so, um, that I had no, I had no plan B, like that's, that's, that's why it hurt so bad and why everything failed so hard was I, I was flying a plane without a faith plane with no fuel. It was in your was DNA no, almost. Yeah. Where all of a sudden it's not in this whole time is potentially right. living a lie yeah. this whole time. Totally, it's man. It's earth shattering yeah. potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know a lot comes down to a praying mom and a praying grandma and, yeah. and you know, a, a, a rich, yeah, a rich family heritage and faith heritage of people back home. Um, and slowly but surely, God started to make himself known again. Like I, like it's hard to explain because it's over a period of three years of darkness, you know, like the, the hardest questions in life and not nothing making sense. And then boom, there you are walking on the beach, wondering where life went. And if you've ever, you know, you, you get hit by the presence of God. It's like, what just happened? Like, why am I crying? Like literally like, what's that feeling somewhere like between your sternum and spine and like it's welling up and like, you, and I'm being hit crying? by, yeah, yeah, literally like, like run to the hills because you're on the beach alone crying, uh, bursting no, out of nowhere. But <laughs> so little by little, those moments were happening and, and literally, like literally, I was hit on the beach. I was 
I think it was listening to Ryan Kirkland's music, uh, which was just such a, a gift in that season because so much of it is about. I mean, I, it's called the Wanderer, or what's yeah, he it? Cry, he cries all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both <laughs> big sappy babies, mm-hmm. uh, man. But uh, just hit with God saying it's it's time to try again. And I had been not, I, I wasn't not trying. I just didn't know how to try. Like, how else am I supposed to try? I, it was that whole like I thought I did everything I was supposed to. I don't have any cards to play. Like, I don't know what else to do. And just like other than stand here and wait, because. I'm clueless, you know, and so, um, yeah, literally he hit me with a, it's time to try again. And I came home crying and, and said, I don't know what this means, but it's time to try again. (laughs) And Sandy, like, (laughs) what what do you mean? Like, I don't know, you know? And, and so, um, I started like just trying to believe that life could be good. Like trying to look at avenues of, how this could work. And, um, and after three weeks of like giving a little hope, like, like testing the bridge and seeing if it might hold me, if I try again, I grew weary in it and I got discouraged and I like, I don't even know how to try anymore. Like try what? I don't even know. I tried for three weeks. I tried to try something and I got nothing. And at three in the morning I was awoken and heart is racing. And again, like that overwhelming hit, like in between the sternum, like it's almost like the, the internal side of the spine. Like, I don't know, that's the God spot. Like we call it the heart, but like, <sighs> don't say it. Like, <laughs> and, and yeah. So I like, but woke up to keep going yeah. keep, and like, you know, emotional mess. And like <laughs> my spirit, he was like, it's almost like the defibrillator, just like reawakening life slowly. Yeah. And, and then little by little, encounter by encounter, I started to see that God does exist and he is involved in my life. And he started showing snippets and people would call out of the blue and give, drop wisdom that I needed and drop encouragement that I needed. And, hey, just thinking about you right now, don't know what you're going through. I'm literally falling apart right now. (laughs) (laughs) And, and little by little, the goodness of God started to show up again. And, um, and so I'm starting from a clean slate looking at life like, okay, what is life? And if I try in life, how do I want to try? Like what matters? And so I started journaling a lot, like, and you know, I'm wrapping up hours and months and years of, of seeking. But for me, it came down to, um, my top priority in life is to provide life to the full for my family. And after that's taken care of, I want to live a life of adventure and impact and like those two things kind of framed in and then like really dissecting those, like not just providing for my family. Cause I think a, a lot of dads miss it. And a lot of kids are the victims of, well, I need to provide financially for my children. And I got a call from a, from a old faithful woman of God who, who like called me out and said, like you, you are providing in ways that other fathers never have. And as you seek God and provide spiritually for your family, and as you're present emotionally for your family, the hand of God is going to take care of the provision for your family. And like, just in a way... Prophesy. Yeah, like literally in, in the way only a, a 60-year-old 
Hispanic pastor missionary can do. In my head, she was black but, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, but just like, oh, no, she called, like, she's like, you think you have a hard life? <laughs> Let me tell you some stories about hard life, a hard life. And she, she literally was, that out of that conversation um, came the recognition of, like, you need to stop looking at everything that went wrong and everything you did right and start looking at everything that is right and everything you did wrong and come to come to own those mistakes so that you can correct them and rebuild appropriately and uh, not recommit those mistakes. So, so yeah, so the, the rebuild began, but it was like priority number one, provide for my family emotionally and spiritually and then financially. And for us and in our structure, whatever our house that really works well, like, um, and then, yeah, like, okay, now how do I create a life of adventure and impact in what I do as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, um, with the open doors in, in Hollywood and, and as a sports and fitness model and, and actor, um, and little by little doors are starting to open and the life is starting to rebuild and, um, unexplainably awesome things are starting to happen. The only way they can when, when God, when there's fuel in the tank and, and God is involved and, um, so that's, you know, I'm skipping plenty, but that's a lot of the past four years of my life and where I'm at today is like, okay, where that chapter is done and we are on to the next chapter. Oh, and, uh, so correct me if I'm missing something as you rebuilt, was that, was there still the athletics like what's going on with that? Yeah, so all the, so <laughs> when I said like I lost everything, and including my home and my car, and you know my my dream, my community, my church, my business, um, I like I still had my body, <laughs> you know, like literally, I was like, well, what do I like? Let's put all the chips on the table. <laughs> yeah. I've got my wife, I've got my kids, I've got my family. And in a good friend support base, like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people cheering for me and, and calling and encouraging, but, and I'm still f- fit and healthy. So I would have been let's, standing in front of a mirror. And <laughs> 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 you can so, tell us if that happened. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it literally, so that turned into, well, I have a 20 year history of training and I know a lot on how to train right for I mean at the elite ish level of all the way from Ironman to decathlon from a half marathon to shot put like that's what I've given my life to for the last 20 years and so um, I developed I started a fitness brand and launched a, a lineup of fitness programs that catered to the most common question I heard along the way as an athlete from friends was like, how do I get totally ripped from 24 hour fitness? But I want to be like a real athlete. And, you know, like, and I'd hear it all the time. Like, well, like, how do I, how do I, or like, how do I look like you on two hours a week? Like, well, by by drinking water instead of beer. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You are, and we are all drinking beer. So step one. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a couple, couple of questions real quick. Um, what'd you study in college? I don't know if you Uh, mentioned it. Oh, I was a religion major in college. Okay. Um, which was an interesting journey because it was not 
I, I wanted to be a religion, ma- religion major because I wanted to learn about all of the religions and cultures of the world and how people perceive God. Yeah. And it turned out to be more of like uh, ministry training, like how to how to counsel people and how you know how to build yeah. healthy families and how to uh, and you know theology and doctrines and whatever. But um, yeah, literally at the end of college, I was a little disappointed that I didn't get what I signed up for, and so I ventured out on a self-discovery journey of visiting back in the, back in the day when there were phone books, I uh, went to the r- religious section of the phone book and visited a temple or mosque or, or, uh, building or sanctuary of every religion I could find oh, wow, in, awesome. in the Kansas city area and like uh-huh. giving them, giving them their time for me to like, see like, okay, who is the God you believe in and why? And like, what, what got you there. And so it, it was a really cool yeah. journey um, that cool. I did throughout my senior year of college where uh, I'd go early, I'd tell them why I was there. I'd, you know, abide by their rules. Like there were a lot of Eastern religions and different approaches and um, somewhere where meals were a part of the worship service with, you know, you're s- sitting on mats and, um, and then I'd stay after Christian, for an hour or two. Or yeah. Yeah. Her- Her- Christian, they had great food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it, it was a really, unique addition to oh, my college cool. experience yeah. was to, to get all of those perspectives. So, cool. and really like what I learned from that, the, the richest part of that was, um, regardless of how you found God or what your belief is in God, the spirit component of the human is real. And the more you give time to it and develop it, the stronger it becomes and the more rich the experience is just like the physical piece of humanity is real. And the more you give time to it and like when people get on a fitness kick and and they start saying like, Oh, I can't believe how I feel. I feel awesome. I'm like a new man. Like literally parallel to that is the spirit. And when you give it time, when you are, call it what you want, silent, when you meditate, when you seek God, when you read, when you pray, whatever you want to call it, that spirit starts to develop yeah. and you start to have spiritual and I think Paul, yeah, like, Paul I mentions call it weird, that, but right? like a physical, physical discipline is good. is profitable a little bit, right. but the spiritual, like, I mean, he, that's what exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah, there's some gain, you know, yeah. like he just gives a little mention yeah, on like yeah. taking care of the body, but then the spiritual development is so idea, much more that. and, and it's well, so he's spiritual he's muscle. He's Olympian. He might've, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest, right? All right. Uh, one more, a uh, couple more questions. Did your wife make it by 30? Two kids? 30? She, we did. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> With a surprise third and then that's it. <laughs> okay. Nice. So you were a great decathlete with your wife. And <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm, what we tried twice and we mean? have three children. <laughs> you, know I, you know what I mean, Scott? <laughs> I, you know, I, this has been pretty tame. I'm not even going to go Victory. there. Victory. Victory. <laughs> kids are asleep now, Scott. Go for it. Uh, all right. And your brother. Your brother, uh, he he's kind of wild. So, what is his status well, now? So plot twist on that one. Um, he uh, he actually started to come around in his late teens, and um, he he was an interesting person. Like a, a lot of 
justice in him that he just had to get figured out in his own way. Um, but he actually died in a car wreck at oh. 19 years old. So, oh, goodness. Um, I was 15, he was 19. And, and like when, when I, I kind of skipped over it, uh, when I said, you know, I've 30, lived 30 years and have had a pretty undisrupted life as far as difficulties. Yeah. That's like, that was a big moment for me. Um, obviously like devastating. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I skipped over it for the sake of where the conversation right. was going, but, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. But, um, but for what it's worth, it was like he was in the redemption process of yeah. finding who he was. And, and we had some pretty significant moments in his last days, not knowing those were his last days of right. like him coming full circle and like being the big brother he wanted to be and apologizing for the, the rough stuff <laughs> along the way and like talking about the future and, and who he wanted to become. And, um, so, uh, there's a, there's a, I mean, it's mostly, I mean, it's hard. Death is hard, yeah. but, um, there's th- that last touch of sweetness on that bittersweet of like, but I know he, he was coming into finding himself in his last days. Yeah. And, uh, I, I hold, I hold on to that. Like, yeah. That that he he sorted out what he needed to sort out. You hold um, on to that little piece of heaven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it literally is a, a glimpse of heaven that he in his in his last few weeks started talking about God and his life and what he he had lost a a girlfriend, pregnant girlfriend, uh, years before, and started questioning like what, where's the baby? Where's the mom? Like what happens after? Like mm-hmm. it, like really dealing. And I I think that may have been the grace of God on his life. Like coming back and saying, like seeing what was to come and, and reawakening his awareness of who God was and, and mm. turning back towards him. So, yeah. um, mysterious things that you can never yeah. define, but, um, pretty, pretty significant moments for us as a family to watch that unfold yeah. um, before the unexpected happens. So, Oh, shoot after that. I had another question, but now I feel stupid. Out of you. Asking <laughs> it now. I had the same exact question, Scott. I got your back. I was going to circle back. No, and it, 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 no, don't don't feel stupid. It's my yeah. You you're getting my story here. So right. so I might feel stupid about this one then. Um, so now that you I'm might, Scott's asking questions, not checking Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be checking that during. I wonder our what soft- you're looking down at. No. <laughs> be checking that during our softball game. <laughs> Um, but you mentioned uh, sports and fitness model. Um, so now that Ryan Locked has uh, been dropped by Speedo, do you th- do you think that you have a chance with picking up that gig? I, I, I've done a, I, I did one shoot with Speedo back oh, in the right. day. Nice. <laughs> uh, but currently, I was just kidding. I'm, but wow, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm one of the uh, spandex guys for Under Armour right now, so you can you can find a similar flavor but different there. But. Are you on any clothing packages? Uh, I'm on the homepage of Under Armour right now, uh, underarmour.com. Uh, I auditioned today for packaging for... Um, Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I'll, How do you I'll work steer out? away. <laughs> no, I almost went down the road. Yeah. <laughs> How do you work that muscle? Um, <clears throat> no, but I, yeah, I've been... I don't. I don't know how to. There's so many words that I can't say now. You, you can. I've, say I've been on a handful of different packages. <laughs> 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 oh man! So are you gonna no. vote for uh, Gary Johnson? Uh, <laughs> I won't. I'm not touching politics. That's for sure. <laughs> you're, not, you're not touching Johnson. Okay. No, yeah. yeah. yeah that's funny, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you're ridiculous. Oh man! So, man, this is. Um, 
I don't want to end it. I don't mean either. Start that process, uh, given our time. But uh, I'll, can I sprint through some some final? Yes. Yeah. Like where where the road is heading. Um, yeah. So part of the next chapter in life, or like recognizing, like okay, my 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 life book didn't fall in the fire and burn like it was a rough end to a previous chapter but there's a new chapter but it's the same book I'm still who I am I'm still the same guy that God called me to be as a child is still in me and the same path that I was on sure I got distracted and put way too much on my plate that I was never intended for me but the stuff that was supposed to be on my plate it's still my plate like I'm still on this unique athlete entrepreneur Hollywood now, this weird twist of adding that in path. And I didn't train for the Olympics this year, but I, and part of the try again was I'm at least going to train like I'm getting ready for the Olympics or trying, you're going to give another attempt in case that's where this is going. And, you know, that was early like winter and early spring. Uh, That didn't happen, but, um, but I was, picked up by a new international competition show on Netflix called The Ultimate Beastmaster. And it was literally like on a global platform. It's going to launch in December or January. I'm going head-to-head, running, jumping, throwing, and climbing with 108 elite athletes from six different nations. And it was kind of a unique twist and a recognition like, oh, different chapter, but kind of the same book here. And yeah. so um, I'm excited to see where that goes because um, – it went well, and it's it's I can, on. I can see the non-disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> it could have gone better, but it could have gone a whole lot worse. It went, it went well. It went really well, um, nice. and and then like continuing as an athlete in Hollywood. Um, you know, I've worked with dozens of brands and done a lot of commercials and magazines and internet ads and stuff. But um, as of late, doing a lot of work with Under Armour. And just like, okay, I'm a different athlete right now, but this is kind of cool. Like, this is working. Like, I got to be on an international show. I get to work with a brand that I totally dig and, like, their their culture, their values, what they're doing in the community, what they're doing as a brand. They're growing like crazy. And, uh, I'm, you know, love their people, love the work that we're doing. Um, and taking the – going from fitness brand fitness programs – at shiftfit.com. You can edit that out if you want. No, 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 no. <laughs> We've already been checking it out. My dyslexia will not let me not read it. Shitfit? Shit fit. It's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, a lot of people say that. It is what it is. It started out as intelligent fitness training, IFT, and I had to turn it into a word for me to like it and yeah. for it to punch with marketing. And so the only, thing, the only thing not trademarked and not domain taken and not, you know, all the hoops, it was like, okay. In, in two syllables. In, yeah. Right. It, it literally, there was, it was I 80 hours of naming and branding work uh, yeah. to come up with shift fit. That sounds like shit fit, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it is what it is and I'm, I'm happy with it. And I like, I've tried all, a lot of different angles on how to develop it into, uh, online personal training or, uh, an all natural supplement line. I've explored all, you know, I'm trying to figure out life. And in the past two or three years that I built that in my darkest days was like, well, at least I know a whole lot about how to train for endurance and strength. And I can go uh, put that in an, in a, in a everyday gym environment. And so it's like athletic endurance and strength training from home or any gym. But 
Um, but recognizing like that was like a book for me, like writing out all the, all the training programs, uh, filtering it through a half dozen, uh, trial groups and getting perspective from people over 50, people under 20, people overweight, people frail, (laughs) skinny, like never lifted in their life, like, and making something that could work from all those angles. But, um, all that to say, like, I recognize that even though the training is my passion, again, my purpose is not that I'm like, I'm, I'm not wired to like get all in to make you do more pushups and burn 4% body fat. That's, Mm -hmm. that's my, for me as an athlete, the training is my passion, but my purpose is to have impact and especially for kids in harm's way. And that's like moving forward as an entrepreneur and as an athlete and in the fitness realm, um, I'm working on, um, a community fitness brand, um, or event brand, um, called United Strong. So at unitedstrong.co, that's the placeholder. I'm literally sprinting to get that thing launched, uh, for a first event for kids this fall nice. with a kids United fit camp. Yep. I don't know how you say that. .co. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's been sitting on the .com for the last decade and <laughs> not willing to, to sell it yet. So I got the co. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so that like the, the sub, um, or the, the motto on that is strengthening kids and communities through fitness and moving forward, doing fitness camps for kids that end with a obstacle course competition and built into that competition is how they score. They raise money for organizations, helping kids, um, specifically, uh, sex trafficking victims. Um, but really like wherever we host the event and whatever partner we local partner, we, uh, come alongside of, it's like, if I can use my training and fitness background and the brands that I've worked with and the momentum I have on in the media, like to strengthen kids and communities to raise funds for kids who are hurting, like that's a great next chapter for Mm -hmm. me. It's that it literally is bringing together my passion and purpose and putting provision into it. And so, um, I don't know where the Hollywood journey is going to go. Um, doors keep opening and it's like an area where I've given 10% of my focus and it's like 90% of the opportunities that come my way. Like it's been a really interesting thing where I should probably give more attention to that. Um, but my day job is to develop United Strong and continue with Shift Fit, develop United Strong, and just keep being who I am. And that's really like in the journey of like, God, who am I supposed to be? God, where, what am I? You know, like literally coming to terms with, I just want to be who I am. Like, and for me, that's an athlete, entrepreneur, sports, fitness actor model thing. <laughs> and I think that's what God wants from all of us. It's like, actually on your business card. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible resume. Um, but I think that's what God wants from us is just be who I made you to be. If you could get back to that, like clear off all the, I'm, I'm not a tech guy. I shouldn't have done a social media, heavy code startup endeavor. And like, I'm wired for ministry and compassion, whatever. But like, I don't know that I'm the pastor guy. I don't, I don't know. I, my, that was my upbringing. It's all I ever knew from my heritage. And so I signed up for it but and I think that, thought that, that was the path. Filter through all these other things. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's like to see, like, I'm not a Jesus salesman. I'm literally like called to live in the goodness of God and share that goodness with other people. The Perfect. fruit of the spirit, like be the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
<laughs> Got to keep going. Yeah. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to the world. Like, go yeah. be goodness, you know? And uh, if for me, that's through fitness and community events with kids and leveraging that to help the, the least of these or the, those in the most need, those in harm's way, like... Yeah. I'll take that next chapter, you know, like that signed me up. So yeah. that's, that's the, uh, the redemption process we're, we're going through right now. So, wow, that's, man. Yeah. Exactly. Like I just want to keep going. I love, <laughs> I love your clarity in, in the purpose and meaning and how you lay things out. I mean, it's just this perfect outline of where God has had you on this path. And I love that God, Told you one day, get up, try, <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, that's, I don't want to open worm a can of worms, but yeah, it's remarkable to me that you had. It sounds like you have a, a big knowledge in doctrine and what the Bible talks about God. And Scott and I are, are all constantly wrestling over the importance of that. We argue a lot <laughs> <laughs> in various ways, but it, it's remarkable that it took kind of an experience you had that baseline mm. probably of doctrine and knowledge yeah and maybe that was part of what was helping you cling on to the hope yeah. but yeah god god grabbed you when he needed to and yeah there was this experience it's fascinating because mm. i think experience can get left out of the equation yeah yeah we're absolutely. kind of buried but yeah we will uh, <laughs> i'm reading this word right now very carefully shift dot <laughs> co no dot co dot do, com and facebook.com slash shift fit com yep and most, actually most of my work like social media stuff is on instagram and, yeah. and on my personal one but and instagram can, you like instagram to post photos of yourself is that what you're saying i i do there, i i, I leverage <laughs> i leverage instagram <laughs> mostly to sell programs and to uh uh persuade casting agencies for whatever whatever is upcoming in an audition. So you have an excuse to post. Literally, it's like, oh. Scott, I looked at him. I was persuaded. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you this. Like, without fail, when I take the time to go do a workout and, like, I call it muscle hustle, like, like really throw down, like, really show the muscles and the grunt, I sell tons of programs. (laughs) And so it's, like, worth... Hundreds, yeah. if not thousands, of dollars to to create the content, and then literally, like a lot of brands say, we hired you because we Sorry saw that you. you can you literally do this. Like, yeah. and that's something yeah. in Hollywood. They don't the the days of fake models for fitness and athletics is over. It's like they want the real deal, and and social media now proves it wow. that you either are or you aren't. And nice. so, um, it's yeah, it's like literally worth tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to me now just how to leverage Instagram for the game that I'm oh, in. Wow. So, Which is yeah. why he's been drinking water this whole night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Scott, Jeff, and I are just drinking. Yeah, beer. we should have got you a spit cup so you can yeah. lean up a little bit. <laughs> um, so, and also unitedstrong.co. And then what was the name of that Netflix show? Uh, the Ultimate Beastmaster with Sylvester Stallone. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they... they they went all in, man. If you you'll see the course, but it was like I heard rumor that it was a fifteen million dollar course design, which I believe it. Like wow. it's literally like it's designed like a beast, like a dragon, and you run in, you enter through the mouth, and awesome. you do all these obstacles, and it, it looks like a like a roller coaster on the strip of Vegas. Like it's just like 
crazy wow. construction. Yeah. And that's we can expect that when? Uh, December or January is, okay. is when that's supposed to come out. So look for Jonathan Collins on the Ultimate Beastmaster. That is so I love having those words come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and are you on Twitter? Uh, I no. Okay. I I kept telling myself that would never take off. <laughs> it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah, sure. yeah, maybe stuff so. keeps developing. Uh, yeah, and, uh, it, it you will. Got, you it got, will. Got, Pictures speaking. Man, okay. So Business idea Instagram. for you. Right. Start tweeting exercises so then people get it in their Twitter feed. They got to do them. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't know. I don't know the Twitter language. I signed up. I started. I and just like, this is, <laughs> it, it was just like font chaos to me getting yeah. on Twitter oh, the first yeah. time. Yeah, you get like, lost. And yeah, it, well, all yeah. of them, you can just get just lost. That's every, why I Every platform it. has its own language. Jonathan, thanks for coming. Thanks yeah, for thanks. Here. Nice meeting you, man. Thank you, guys. This thanks is. Uh, I was telling Jeff earlier, like I, th- that was a long, dark season of my life, and I actually haven't really shared it publicly too much yet. And yeah. so this is kind of okay. The bomb hit. Things went black. The dust settled. We had to pick up the pieces, and here we are rebuilding. Yeah. So yeah. And it's gonna enrich and help help people too. Yeah, 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 I hope so. I hope that, I guess, above all else, there's a message of do not give up hope. Where where things don't make sense, where life doesn't make sense, where storms hit, um, take the time to redevelop your spirit where it's broken. And I can promise you from personal experience, God's going to meet you there. And he's the author of life he's going to rewrite the next chapter for you and you have to at least hold on to that if nothing else love it yeah love it awesome thank you yeah thank you grace peace cheers jeff grace peace cheers scott (laughs) (laughs) two out of three ain't bad not bad yeah all right sweet if you said grace peace hey cheers guys see then i i'm on board you are so that's so doctrinal of you. Man, just just break it up a little bit. You don't want anything related to drinking being connected to grace and peace. They're just How not... do you think I'm able to drink but by grace and peace? Man. Just not on the same level. I drink by grace and it brings me peace. Just, no? actually want to be a polygamist um shut your reformed mouth i did try to only have one wife what does scott believe there are i believe that